Bah. <laughs> bah. Sorry, I freak out under the interview scenarios sometimes. Right. Let me just turn the uh, the volume down. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last you. A little bit. Sorry. No, it's all good. But it's a good idea to <laughs> to get an idea of the loudest moments right. of the interview. Yes. So if that's a mm-hmm. if that's a common in your interview experience, then sometimes it is. Yes. Good. Then I know about that. Sort of start with your um, sort of your early life, like because I'm I'm quite interested in yeah your childhood. What's what's going on there? And mm. you're talking a little bit before before we started recording about your one of your brothers, mm. um, but and also the dynamics. But I'll let you talk. Mm-hmm. I feel incredibly grateful for the childhood that I had. Um, quite literally felt like some form of heaven on earth. <laughs> of course, we had our own troubles and, and difficulties along the way, but, you know, grew up with an incredibly loving family. Um, I, my mother and father loved each other dearly and still love each other dearly, um, which I think is a, an amazing, like, fundamental to be in the presence of great love every single day, you know, so that's that had always been there in our minds and I always knew that my parents loved me and all the other kids as well and there was never any favouring of the kids as well. I thought that was really well done by my parents to never make any of us feel like better than the others, that we were all like equally loved and valued for our unique differences as well. Um, we were, my mother is a little bit eccentric. She's quite crazy in a really loving and funny kind of way. She's a funny woman. She'll make you laugh. Um, she made us laugh like all through our childhood and really introduced us to lots of the forms of comedy that is now a big part of my life as well. Like I love making people laugh. I love laughing. I love the experience of, of joy, you know, um, that is a lot of what I do. <laughs> um, so we did lots of trips. We did lots of travels. We did a lot of driving. We've driven pretty much everywhere around Australia. That's where we did a lot of bonding as family as well, those long car rides. <laughs> so we've, we've driven up to Broome a few times. We've done like a lot of exploration through WA and we've also done some trips on the East Coast. And I think those moments when we're in the car, when we drive for hours on end on like corrugated, dusty dirt roads, um, they're really moments for you to truly be together, like as a unit, as a family. What I found interesting was if you put my sister next to my brother in the car, they would start fighting. Like they'd just, something would happen that would piss one of them off and then they would just like bounce each other up until they got into this kind of scratchy type battle type thing in the car. It was just, I always was put in the middle pretty much between my sister, my younger sister and my older brother. So it was interesting that in, I was from a very young age, 
like some form of kind of like a peacekeeper between my sister and my brother in a way somehow I was able to translate or transcode what my sister was trying to say or what my sister was trying to like talk about in a way that my brother could then access it and then like I could create the flow of energy between all three of us and that's that's really fundamental to what I'm doing now is about bridging gaps of understanding between tribes of people really like a lot of what I am passionate about is bridging gaps of understanding um, between people because more often than not we're we often are looking and wanting you know similar things for ourselves it's just that we're our way of communicating that can sometimes be misinterpreted or we're using words that have different meanings to me like when I say God I might for me that might mean something different to how you say God you know and that can create so much tension and we're already aware of all that tension because people's definitions of the words are different. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's a little taste of, of my younger years. I, I really, I never, I had a lot of freedom. I had a lot of like just out and about playing. I climbed a lot of trees. I had friends, lots of friends. Um, I was loved. I was respected, you know. I got a little bit of shit for having red hair. <laughs> but... Thankfully, I'd already learned how to kind of protect myself or deflect any kind of attempts to chip away at my self-worth based on an external feature by, you know, training with the brothers and sisters. You know, they're always trying to pick at you from time to time and you, you figure out a method on how to handle all that and to not take it so personally and to just rechannel, refocus the energy and, and demonstrate that that doesn't mean much to you and you know How, can you explain a bit more about that that method you, you sort of discovered during the uh, childhood time yeah uh, it's quite it's a really interesting one actually the whole element of being teased is something that happens quite a bit in childhood um, unless you've got the psychological equipment to get yourself through it um one thing is just knowing that you are beautiful. Like, you are perfect, you are great, you are an amazing human being. Like, the moment you actually know that and you know that you're loved and then you know that you're full, people who try to say things to you about your external features is like, so, yeah. <laughs> I, what is that? That doesn't really change me being full of love or life. It may be a thought that you have in your mind, but that's that's just what you got. So yeah. Anyway, I was lucky that I had those skills from a young age to to not feel or get pushed down for being different. This is another key point, actually. Um, being different, like a lot of what I do now, is is different to what the normal masses of people might be doing with their time. Um, but from a young age, I was I was given the self belief to know that. In our differences, that's also like what makes us unique, and that's what makes us special, and that's part of what's magical about being a human is is our uniqueness, is our you know differences. So I started to feel less afraid of being different from a very young age, and it, and it started at the redhead thing. So I accepted that after a little bit of time with trying to get used to it and not liking having red hair. I um believed in myself and thought hey wait a second this is actually different like having red hair is different that's cool like, i like that 
Did you ever go through a period with the red hair of trying to, to change it to sort of fit in more with other people and what they were telling you? Uh, not really. No. No. Cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah, my dad has done some amazing things for who I am today and a lot of it has been through his support and through his willingness to spend time with kids and to go out camping to go on camping adventures like those were some of the most defining moments of my childhood for sure were these camping adventures that we would go on down to dwelling up for example and we found little campsites that weren't actually officially designated campsites um we loved four-wheel driving so we loved going off the beaten track um and all this as i look back on it is is linking into where i am at today and my ability to step off of the path, step off of the walked designated path and go off-road quite literally in my own life journey. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, my dad had really supported me through as much as he could when he wasn't working because he was working quite intensely when, when I was younger as well. But at any moment that he had, like, back at home, it was with his kids and, like, yeah, with myself and developing me in, in my own kind of ways and getting me involved in electronics and supporting my adventurous spirit and just being there, you know? Yeah. Now, we're going to get into... We're going to go off the beaten track a bit later. Mm. But I'd like to ask you right now, where do you feel that humanity is at right now as we speak? And how do you see it evolving or changing? It's a juicy question bit of a jump from what we were just talking about, but I, I really am interested in your response. Mm, mm. Definitely feels like we're at a crossroad where humanity is being called upon by the earth and by the current state of affairs that we've put ourselves into. Um, and the crossroads is either, it's calling upon us to either collectively, like as a planet, rethink how we do things or to keep putting our heads under the sand and keep continuing on this existing pathway you know so it's but it's both directions have quite drastic outcomes um, and each and every day I feel like more and more of us are waking up to the idea of another path of being able to actually change this story that the earth is on right now um, there's still a huge cloud of separation which I think is is fogging our vision from making these decisions to start changing the path I feel like much of humanity is emotionally and intellectually consumed in maintaining yesterday's story at this point in time unfortunately many people I believe are under the false guise or the false pretense that by continuing as we are it's going gonna, it's gonna to create safety for my child like I need to keep working because I want to put my child through uni and through school 
and I need to keep raising the money now so that my child can have the best future possible. For me, that's the story that I hear all the time. And that is the, like, what is it? It's, it's like something that you can, you, can, you can always hide in that way of thinking. It's... So, so the story for you is, is our sort of money-driven focus or to, the focus to provide safety, s- safety through, through money. Mm. And, and that is sort of taking us away or distracting us from... The biggest questions, the bigger questions. Right, and the other path which you're talking about. That's right. That's right. A lot of the planet needs to rethink its, its operating system. I feel like we're running on Windows 95 right now or even something more basic than that. Um, coming from the Industrial Revolution, it feels like still a lot of our systems are based off of this, you know, machine type of thinking, which is about maximising output and maximising income and maximising revenue. Um, but now we're figuring out that we're, we're a finite planet and you can't have infinite growth on a finite planet. There's just that doesn't work. Um, so we're, we're, we're a little bit stuck. I feel like we're a little bit stuck as a race um, because we're surrounded in all these messages that were relevant for yesterday's story, you know? All these aspirations towards gaining more material wealth as if that's the end of the game, as if that's, like, what it's all about, like, as if that's the number one priority in this world. But, like, more and more of us are realising, like, that's not number one right now. Number one is the Earth our mother who's bleeding and who needs care and needs us to think about creating harmony. Similar to how, like, a forest will create harmony with itself in a way, like it'll only consume as much as it needs and decompose and it's this, like, cyclical system that, like, keeps... doesn't, like, grow excessively and explode through the roof in, like, just a few small patches, which is part of what the human race has done. We've created these, like, money piles for just a select few people. And then there's the rest of the forest, which is just dying (laughs) and, like, struggling to have enough, like, nourishment to even grow a few centimetres out of the ground. Um, So I feel like we're out of harmony with our biological calling, which is to create harmony with, you know, our environment be in harmony with our environment um so that is a little bit it's there's so much you can i could really keep going but i don't want to go too much longer because it'll it'll get a bit cray cray (laughs) i think it's a good uh good lead into the story behind how the liberators started Mm -hmm. um because as someone who's well just as another person Mm. looks sort of coming across the the organization i think it was Oh, I remember I was sitting in my in my uh, in my room in in Berlin and and uh, saw the Perth train video come up. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but one of my one of my friends from Germany had had shared it. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then I realised it was a Perth train. Mm-hmm. It instantly caught my eye because I didn't feel like that kind of thing was happening in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. And. I could sense the the energy that was there, the also the courage, um, and the real, the integrity to stand up and 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 just basically say provide this space, of, I'm I'm going to stand up, I'm about to start dancing, you can 
Join me if you want to, but it's not compulsory. Hey guys, I don't want any money. I don't want money. And I, think I just want to spread a little bit of happiness. So I'm going to do that today by starting a small dance party. Okay? Now I'm doing this because we are all amazing individuals and we all have a story to tell. We all have something to share. So as a way of breaking that ice, uh, I'm going to start a small dance party. And if you want to join, you're more than welcome. If you just want to watch or clap, uh, that's also equally okay. Alright? Thanks, guys. What was the what was the journey? What was the process before Liberators started? Or like what's the story behind? Or before standing up on that train? Exactly. Yeah. One thing that needed to happen before I could stand up on that train was I needed to first truly discover myself, I guess. And I know we never really fully discover ourselves because it's never like, oh, done that, tick that box off. I know 100% about who I am, what I am, all that sort of stuff. But I definitely, I, I arrived in Spain, Barcelona at like 22, 21 years old and I didn't know what I wanted to do or what I wanted to become. I just knew that I wanted to discover my passion because I'd heard too many people talking about passion in these books. Richard Branson has been a big inspiration of mine and Seth Godin is another guy who's been a massive inspiration of mine. And they talk about passion and about waking up in the morning, feeling energized the moment you wake up and you're just like, yes, I want to get into what I'm doing. I like, Ugh. Um, so I knew that it, this thing called passion existed, uh, but I had no idea. I wasn't fully sure of what that was. Um, and I wanted to find out. So I started doing a lot of research into like personal development books. And I actually spent the first three months or the first yeah month and a half in complete silence, which was really quite a strange thing because I'd just arrived in Barcelona, Spain, which you'd imagine is like, parte, parte, let's have a good time. Uh, and I did want to have a good time. But what I realized was when I moved away from home and was put in my own room, that I found myself and that I was, it was completely my space, you know, it was my room and that no one was actually going to expect anything of me. Nobody even knew me in the city. And what happened was I slowly started to first kind of quieten my mind. I found that living in my own country with my own friends and my own family there's all this like social expectation. There's all this like, you know, how's the job going? How's the uni degree going? You know, how's that thing doing? And it's, and you see it, your mates are like, oh yeah, they're also off doing their jobs. And like subconsciously everyone's work, like kind of working towards this goal of like moving forward and progressing in life. And it's so easy to get lost in that. So easy. Um, and the biggest regret of the dying was I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself not the life others expected of me. So this is one of the biggest regrets people on their deathbeds express. That's right, yep. And that, that's, when I heard those words um, done by a girl called Bonnie Ware, who's an Australian palliative nurse, and uh, she interviewed hundreds of people on their deathbed about like what the biggest regret was. 
And um, that was the number one regret. And I heard those words in my research for my personal development in this silence. And I was like, I really don't want my life to turn into that. Like, I really don't want to live a life that I get to the end of it. And it's like, um, that was actually someone else's dream. That was what your mum wanted from you. That was what your friends wanted from you. That was what your society wanted from you. And they were expecting it from you. So anyway, I looked around and I was like, where are the people living their passions? Like, where are the people who are my age living their passion? Like, seriously, like I know a few of the older crew who are living their passions, but who my age actually has the balls to be following what they truly love and believe in. And I looked around and I saw practically everybody primarily focusing on earning money and having passions on the side and having passions on the weekend, but sort of just giving up on the idea that their passion could actually be their life. I was like, oh, is that the truth? Is that the reality? Is there so few people like out there who are properly like being passionate about something greater than just making money? And I was like, oh, I think I should do this. Feels like I should do this. Like if no one else is doing it, like I should, and I know no one else is doing it, but I feel like I want to do this. And I, I, I didn't see enough inspiring role models in the world, like from my circles anyway, like from the circles that I was in, I didn't see enough inspiring role models standing up for something that they truly believed in that wasn't just about making money. So, yeah, I started creating these, these actions, I guess. It's, it's... But, but what was the, the, the feeling, like when you were in that quiet space mm-hmm. in Barcelona, in your room, mm-hmm. and you're realising there's no expectations? Mm-hmm. What were the feelings of, or how did you feel those little inner vo- inner moments of inner voice coming through? Like, what was that feeling? And what were the things, did you feel a sense of excitement when, mm-hmm. when you were sort of rediscovering, like, yourself separate from the expectation of others mm-hmm. or, like, the discovery of your, what you're passionate about? How did that feel? It was very, it's very comforting um, to actually hear your voice. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, is that, is that you? I knew you've been there and you've been calling me every single day, but your call has been so faint in amongst this social expectation and amongst all this other noise that's like blocking you out. But you're the one who I really want to be talking to. You're myself. Um, so it felt like a very distant like telephone call, like ringing in the distance. And um, in that silence, I was able to hear that call I was able to pick up that phone and start listening to what my, you know, inner spirit, true self was wanting and not often not feeling satisfied with in, in its own life, in my own life. Um, and, and then I realized like, oh, I want to I wanna live with passion. I want to live, I want to wake up in the morning and, and love what I do. So then I started exploring and just meeting other passionate people. And I uh, started interviewing them for my blog because uh, I wanted to figure out, like, how did these passionate people find their passion and then how did they go along uh, turning that passion into something like a reality? Like, how could they get paid for that passion um, without destroying the passion, without destroying the integrity of the passion? Um, so I started interviewing people and making short video clips 
of these people doing little interviews. And I started to also get some mentors. I actually, this is part of my evolution, has been having mentors in my life, like experienced legends. Um, I was looking to create a life where I wasn't running from paycheck to paycheck, where I had the freedom of time. Time for me is incredibly valuable. Um, freedom of time to actually think and create what I want to create. Like not just have my whole eight hours already dictated to me and slammed into a box where I need to think for someone else and create something for someone else and then I come to the end of the day and I don't have enough emotional resource to even think about my own dreams anymore. So I wanted people who found a way to have money work for them and not work for money. Um, and I found these people. Like It's amazing what happens when you actually consciously want something or want to meet something or create something in your life. Like This was part of the voice that came into my head was like, I want to meet these people and I want to figure out like how and why they do these things. Because that to me was success. Like That was my idea of success was having enough money to do what you wanted to do, but then also having the free time in your day so that you could go do whatever you wanted to do with that free time. It wasn't just about, I didn't want to just meet millionaires. Mm. So yeah, I started meeting these people and, and having conversations with these people about, and they became my friends. Like it's really weird how, if that's what you want and if you've got pure intentions and if you have something to offer people, like more often than not, they're going to they're gonna show some interest. Like, it's this weird thing. I think mentors are everywhere in this world and mentors are actually subconsciously looking to pass their knowledge on. They're kind of like gatekeepers in a way. They've figured out how to navigate the life in a way that has put them in this position where they don't need to be, like, running around every day trying to make money work for them or, like, anything like that. They're, like, sitting on a chair and they're receiving money and they're making decisions on like a really clean conscious pathway of thought because they're not like scrunched down by like the money pressures you know because that totally confuses people's brains um so they actually are looking to pass this knowledge on to people but they need to see in your eyes how pure you are like the people with the right integrity and the people who want to create something for the world or want to give something into the world. Not just like, I want this money and freedom so that I can play computer games all day. Mm. Like, they're not going to give you the information if that's what your mission is. So you got to know what your mission is. <laughs> and if you know what your mission is and if they like what that is and they see maybe a bit of themselves in you, then you'll find a way to like go have coffee with them and then you take it from there. So really it comes back to that inner voice. It's picking up that phone mm. and that's where it all started with that quiet space, with that space away from all the busy mind bustlings and uh, expectations. You had the space to tune into your inner voice mm. and to get in touch with what felt right for you, what you, what the life was you wanted to live or how you wanted to live life. What I really wanted, not just what was expected of me, but what did I really want to create um, for myself and for others, you know. And from that point, it sounds like, mm. how, how soon after did, were you starting to meet mentors after you decided, uh, this is, I want to, I'm interested in learning how to uh, live a life with my passion mm -hmm. leading mm -hmm. and money working for me. 
That's really hard to say. Like, it wasn't like a clean-cut line. It was a progressive thing. Um, but it all, it all just started happening more and more until I started, yeah, meeting, meeting these mentors and, and spending more and more time with these, like, educated, intelligent, um, wealthy, time-wealthy and financially wealthy people. And um, I started learning a lot from these guys as well about how to live and how to hold yourself and how to be deserving of it. That's a big part of it. What, what, deserving of what? Uh, I guess like deserving of, of living the life that you want to create for yourself. It takes courage to dare to try and do that. Easy, easy to follow the expectation of what you should do and follow someone else's path because that's been done before and I can give you all the recommendations that you need to make sure that you can live this path. But I think that's underselling the human race hugely. Hugely underselling the human race. And, and the inherent uniqueness in every individual. That's right. Like, yeah, massively. We are way... The, the most underutilized resource on the planet is not iron ore or any of that sort of stuff. It's human capital. It's human resource, I believe. Like, I feel like much of the human resource is operating way below what it is truly capable of. You know, what, I'm, what I've been able to do with my own life is just one grain of sand in the whole, like, ocean of potential that we're all living in. I'm just living part of my own potential and like breaking through the roof of what's possible and consistently just smashing through the roof of like like oh that was my old version of myself smash it (laughs) make it bigger make it you know more yeah it's like i've just consistently proved myself wrong in like what i'm capable of and it is so far from what anyone ever expected of me you know and that's part of where the magic is by like daring to say I don't want to do what you're expecting of me right now and I think I can do more. Mm. Like, I think I can do something greater than all of this expectation that you're giving me. That's tough. <laughs> you know? I, it's I, tough I, when you don't know what it is. Yeah. And that's, the hard, that's one of the hardest parts is to go through not knowing what you are capable of and, and trying to find it when whilst that's happening and whilst you don't know your own answers, everyone else is running around you with their own concept of their own answers and saying, this is what you can do. This is what's possible. You should be doing this, getting the job, doing the work, because I know that you get that much. And you just keep going on forever about what I can expect from you. But I can't talk to you about like your infinite potential. That's really hard for me to talk about and it's hard for me to expect that from you. Yes, and you can't sit someone down and say, let's discover your infinite potential today. Like it's, it's a naturally evolving process that I feel that any individual comes to naturally mm-hmm. in their own time. And you, the time leading up to you going and traveling, you, d- you were saying you didn't really know why you were going away. I knew that I wanted to, what I'd realized was I'd studied something that was expected of me in a way. I decided to become an accountant and um, I realised at the end of my degree that I was doing the, the life of expectation, like trying to become an accountant. What is that? I was not good at maths. Like, that was a terrible idea. Like, 
what was the expectation? What was weird? No, the expectation was to get a safe job and to, you know, do something that people trusted and, and that, you know, my grandparents would like and that my family would respect and all that sort of stuff. Because it's been established. It's, it's a reference point that you can use. And then they're like, oh, accountant. I know that. That's well placed in society. Let me put you in this box. What I found fascinating and terrifying at the same time was how all through uni, I thought I was on the right path. And this is the power of expectation. This is the power of people putting their own expectations onto you. You can start to fully believe that what you're doing with your life is actually what you want to do with your life. And you tell your people, yeah, I'm becoming an accountant. Like I'm studying that. And you say it with confidence and you say it like that's really why you've been put on this planet. But what I realized after living in the Netherlands for seven months and being away from home and having a little snapshot of my own inner voice was that wasn't me, like wanting to become an accountant. And I was like, I was saying that with so much confidence. I was telling all my friends and my family that I was going to become an accountant, yet that wasn't even me. And I was, I was standing up for it. And then as a consequence of that, it put my entire life into question. If I thought that was my future, what are my other assumptions that I'm actually doing based on expectation? And what parts of me is actually me and what parts of me is actually just what's expected of me? And so that was part of the motivation to get away from Australia and go into Spain was to like uncover like the truth, like who I really am, discover like without the expectation, without all the friends and the family, you know, poking expectations into me every day. Um, I wanted to become an alien in a foreign land so that I could then, like, rediscover and recreate myself from, like, you know, blank slate of sort. A blank slate of sort. I mean, you're never fully blank slate because you're always going to be, you know, a product of your uh, expectations to some degree or not, but that definitely helped. Um, so... If you can remember back, what was the... Because you were saying that you were so... You were saying it was scary how uh, you felt so like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I want to become an accountant. And you're at uni, you're going to uni, you're going to classes every day, yeah. studying, passing assignments, all this stuff. And then... So what was the difference in feeling of living according to expectation, whether it's your own or someone else's, and then the the feeling of sort of when you started to discover this inner voice and more along the lines of your natural uh, drives and your natural passion what was the difference in that feeling well at first it was incredibly like terrifying you know like to dare to even think about listening to that little voice of yours that's putting your whole life into question and that's why i think so many of us don't go there it's because we spend like the initial part of our lives building something up and then we might realize that maybe that's not actually our lives that we're living but in order to change we have to let go of all of what we've been building or so much of what we've been building and then we have to try and turn our back on all of that like groundwork like all those bricks that we've been laying in our minds about who we're going to become and who we're going to be we have to like kind of turn our back on that and dare to pick up this faint telephone call you can't even hear properly you're like i don't even know what you're talking about but i'm pretty sure that's me on the other end there and like you mean you don't even have the answers for me in a book there are no what there no answers in the back of the book 
You're saying I got to step every step by myself and no one's done this shit before? You serious? I'm going to turn my back on all this brickwork for following this voice that has no real idea of what you're leading me to, but you say that you've got the answer, but it's going to take a lot of work and probably just as much work as what you've already invested into your existing life with nothing to start, like nothing to go from. So, yeah, at, at first it was like, yeah, very terrifying, but what I had experienced in the Netherlands was just a little bit of that taste of what it was like to actually follow my inner voice. And there's nothing to compare to it. It's really like eating the most delicious homemade hamburger versus like a crappy cheeseburger, you know. So what was that taste for you? What was that moment where you're like, ah, like that initial taste of, of you, you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, explosive fire something like that but was there an event an experience that sort of um i think the whole thing about living in the netherlands for me was that i was stepping into my own power like choosing to be there and choosing to live there like the whole seven months in itself was me daring to do something for myself in a way um also i started tapping into this like infinite well of energy that i'd never felt before or hadn't felt to that degree anyway. It's like when you do start walking your own path, like properly walking your path, um, it's really interesting how I found the body like has these little like releases of energy that like come along with it. And um, that's part of what's enabled me to stay up late and just keep powering through my work and stay awake and keep working when other people are sleeping. And, you know, like I've just this this is weird cosmic energy that flows through me like when I'm on my path you know right I've, I've felt that as well it just it just it's like because I feel like in a sense and, and this is my, purely my opinion so I don't actually know what's going on yeah. but I think the more that we honor our our path our passion it's like we are re-energizing that little part inside of us which contains perhaps an infinite amount of energy and it's like this this exchange, maybe the the compassionate exchange or the harmonic exchange you're talking about with the earth, mm-hmm. maybe the same thing is going on f- inside ourselves when we dare to to honour our passions. Mm-hmm. And I've felt that energy. Mm-hmm. It really, it's like, wow, where did all this energy come from? I haven't slept mm-hmm. hardly at all and still I'm going and going and going. Mm-hmm. And there's just this energy to keep doing the work that you love. So mm-hmm. it's a really... Interesting thing. Very special, very special. So before standing up on the train, I needed to go through a few massive transformations and those happened to me on two adventures. The first adventure was the hitchhiking adventure, which was, you know, going 1,500 kilometres from Barcelona to Croatia, hitchhiking in a business suit. One day in a business suit, one day in normal clothing. And... um, I had never thought that that was ever going to be possible for me. Um, All my friends said it was like crazy and stupid and impossible and I was going to get hurt and I was going to be in the front of the news for, you know, some sort of case where I got taken advantage of. And this was in foreign countries that I'd never travelled to before either. Um, And I needed to get there before the festival started because I'd volunteered to help out at a a festival in an abandoned castle in Croatia, in Croatia. so I took the risk and did it. A lot of 
crazy things happened along the way. Uh, I got pushed to many of my limits. Uh, I had to trust humanity on a massive scale when you're hitchhiking like that. You really got to put your faith in humanity. And long story short, I came back having turned the impossible into the possible, which was huge. Like that is something that has quite literally turbocharged my entire existence where I realized that what my thoughts were telling me was impossible and not doable and completely something that would never work out. Like my actions were able to demonstrate that I could actually do that thing that I thought was not possible. So by doing that, I again put my entire life into question of all the things that I thought were impossible in my life were now no longer completely sealed off as impossible things and everything became like possibility, you know, um, and that I knew that I didn't always have to trust my inner voice because my inner voice before going, well, I mean, you know, there was two sides. Obviously there was one element of my inner voice that said, go for it, do it. And I obviously went for it. But then there was also another part of my inner voice, which was saying, which was the fear driven side of my inner voice saying, don't do it. This is a terrible idea. You've never hitchhiked before. You're going to get attacked. You're going to get taken advantage of, you know, all those thoughts that start coming in. So I knew to take my fears like with a, grain of salt and to know like yeah you're freaking out but you've done this before and you've entered situations where you've been just as afraid and you've gotten through to the other side and more often than not like you've got the skills and the ability to get yourself through like humans are incredible incredible beasts they're capable of so much so anyway that so i just want to say so you trusted yourself because that fear was there mm. i'm guessing pretty strong because you're about to enter a situation that you felt was quite literally impossible as you said mm-hmm. how did you deal with that fear and begin and take the action anyway regardless of it oh uh, yeah i just tried to not get lost in the grand scheme of the whole thing and get scared that it was you know going through four countries and it was 1500 kilometers and that i didn't know who was going to pick me up and all the unknown elements i was just like let's stick to what we do know <laughs> for now and what i know is that i'm here i'm alive i'm healthy i'm well and I need to get to the first highway, which is out that way, you know. So let's go find the highway. And then like, walk, 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 walk. Oh, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Oh, I'm at the highway. Okay, what's next? Uh, in order to do hitchhiking, you normally got to put your thumb out. Okay, I can do that. Let's put the thumb out. <clears throat> you know, put thumb out. And then, you know, two minutes later, someone pulls over. And beautiful, smiley Spanish couple with children in the back invited me in. And we drove across the French border. And that was the beginning. You know, so chunking it down. So one step at a time. And I think this is an important point for me to remember. One step, they're your steps. Mm. They're not someone else's steps. Because again, I think expectation can creep in. Because like, we've all heard stories of how people hitchhike and people who do it and do these crazy things compared to what we're doing. And so you're like, whoa, you know, I have to, I have to do it like this or I have to get um, picked up in a certain amount of time. or, um, But so you were taking your steps. You were just coming back to the moment, it sounds like. That's and right. just like, okay, what do I need to do to get here? Because that, and you're breaking it down to your comfortable yeah. steps. Yep, that's it. So that really helped me there. Um, like dissipate the fear a little bit. Because you can do that. It's easy to go find the highway. That's a pretty simple operation. It's pretty easy to put your thumb out. That's easy. So anyway, that changed me there. And then after that experience, 
I felt changed by travel. I felt like, oh my God, travel has so much depth when you set yourself a mission or a challenge like that. Holy, like, whoa, that was like the most fulfilling education process that I've ever been through. I've never learned so much on a holiday in my entire life by giving myself a challenge. So after three years of living in Spain and exploring some of this social work, creating, you know, moments of unity in public spaces with the public and with myself and with other teams and that by me doing that, it turning into a social movement without me trying, like people from all countries were starting to message me saying, how can I get involved? Um, so what was the first step there? Because, I mean, that was, it sounds like a very organic process, but it did start with an initial sort of action or your presence at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What was the first social action that you took? Yeah, uh, first social action was... It was one of two. There were two that I did in the beginning. They were quite close to each other. First one was welcoming tourists off of the bus, tourists and locals. We decided to brighten people's day by going to the centre of town where the bus comes in from the airport, the Aero bus. This is in Spain, Barcelona, Plaza Catalunya. And uh, we waited there with, like, you know, colourful clothing and big welcome home banners and we had fruit and candy and free maps and... We like waited for the bus to arrive, and when it came, we uh, we just got really excited that they were here, and we were so like, "Oh my God, here they are!" And we congratulated them and welcomed them to the city, and wished them all a great day, and gave them free maps if they needed it, and hugs and high fives, and they were just like so shocked that adults humans would do this on a saturday like this is a saturday i thought everyone does self-indulgent things on saturdays um and that we didn't want anything from them like we weren't looking to take anything we were actually looking to increase their experience and that was it um, just, give. just give just create something beautiful for them like we wanted to do that that was our intention and when they realized that that was our intention it was this like massive game-changing moment for me I just saw the looks in their eyes and the smiles and the, the authenticity of, of just how glad they were. It's kind of like a relief of sort. It's like, wow, yes, humanity, you know? Oh, my God, it's actually being nice to me, like someone, like a friend, you know, like I'm having an interaction with people that I don't know that's just super positive and super great and they don't want anything from me and this, is, this feels good. And uh, seeing all that happening in their eyes, seeing the energy exchange, I was just, I just love. It was just like, this is really powerful. I can't believe how underexplored this whole experience of ex like interacting with members of the public in a positive way without expecting things from them is. Like, why is this not fully explored more? Like, um, it got me excited because I'm an adventurer, I'm an explorer, and I was like, holy shit, there is a lot to be explored here. You know, we think that we've explored everything in this world, but we're far, far from it, you know. And this is one example of, a, of an element of life that I think is completely underexplored. And a lot of what I do now is about exploring the potential of the public space and creating love and unity in those public spaces. So that was the, that was the first one. So it was love. I, I felt it. I knew it. I was like, the moment I saw that, I was like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. So now fast forward a bit to the moments before getting on the train 
the yeah. f- before the first dance party video. Was that the first social experiment on a drone? No, it was not. What was the first? Um, the first I did on a train was actually storytelling on a train. I don't know if you've seen that one before, but uh, I told the story from my hitchhiking adventure. Uh, and it was a similar context. as like, I don't want money. I just want to tell a story as a way to brighten this moment. Um, as a way to shift the energy a little bit, um, break the ice. And you can listen if you want to, but you don't have to. But yeah, anyway, I, I, will, I will just say one more thing, which was a real life changer for me. Um, and that was the trip through India. Um, it's a whole massive adventure. As I said, like um, travel with like a mission or a purpose for me, just, just a game changer. Like it just changed my whole way of traveling. And this time I'd been living in Spain for three years. I'd started the movement, Good Vibrations Barcelona. It had gone really well, like energy was building and more and more artists were wanting to collaborate. And we were getting like 70 to 100 people coming to these public activations. And it was just amazing what was going on there. And then I wanted to go through India before coming home for Christmas because I hadn't been home for Christmas in three years. And I was like, okay, I want to do another challenge. So I want to explore the idea of reciprocity and see if that still is like relevant in today's world or are we so money hungry that like when someone dares to give an authentic action of like just giving, um, do, are we not sensitive to that anymore and we just want like financial exchanges in order to get things or are we still open to the idea of when someone gives us something we want to give them something back like organically so I went on this like epic tale epic journey through India where I literally had two nights accommodation sorted at a couch surfer in Mumbai at his house and the rest was completely unplanned no accommodation booked no idea on where I was going to go all I knew was that I wanted to explore the idea of like selflessly giving to others. And so, yeah, I helped and offered banana sellers if they wanted help selling bananas to tourists and just saw what would happen if I helped them for a full day. And then I didn't expect anything at the end of the day. I just wanted to give for the sake of giving. And then more often than not, like that person would then go on to inviting me back to their home to meet their family, to like sleep on the floor with their freaking parents and their brother and sister and in the concrete floor and be treated to a delicious Indian like local dinner and like be treated really like, like a king of sort, even in these locations of nothingness, like financial nothingness, but spiritual wealth and, and loving wealth, absolutely. And on that journey, I was reflecting about my experience in Spain and my experience of self-discovery and what had happened. You know, I went out with this intention to find myself and then I ended up starting a social movement where hundreds of people were participating in these acts of love and kindness in public spaces. And I was on this, like, rocky outcrop in the middle of a place called the Hampi, which is an incredibly spiritual town in the centre of India. So I'm there on the rocky outcrop thinking and reflecting about why, like, what had just happened in Spain. It's so interesting that when you geographically move away from where you live, you're able to then look back upon your life with, like, a bigger vision, like you can see your whole picture a little clearer. And um, I looked at my picture and I was like, that social movement is f***ing amazing. Like, that is something very special, like, what's going on there, like... 
the way humanity was forming around these actions. Like it wasn't me pushing or forcing. I didn't force anything. It was me being true to myself, me being curious and me creating experiences. And then humanity just like flocking in and wanting to be a part of it and wanting to support it and wanting to help it flourish. That's like, that doesn't happen every single day. That's incredibly special to have ever found anything like in your life that just humanity comes forward and like feeds like without you trying, it's trying to help you grow. I'm just like, this is why I've been put on this planet. I need to make sure that this is my reality. When I come back to Australia, I need to be very sure that I don't just get pushed back down on the line of expectation. Because I kind of knew that that was going to come. I was going to come back to the family, come back to the old friends. And same story repeating, you know, there's going to be that expectation of them wanting you to do things that they feel will be right to make sure that your future is safe and, and full of, you know, prosperity. A lot of everyone wants the best for you, but sometimes them wanting the best for you is actually, like, underselling you hugely, mm. cutting you short. And off, just at one point, often in our families, mm. our parents' words, our, our siblings' words, often carry the most weight and the most power. So the expectations that can come flooding back are immensely powerful and can like really shake you around yep and that's why it's so important to uncover your inner voice because if you have access to your inner voice no matter what people are telling you like you know what you're there to do like you know why you're here and that's just an opinion you know it's an external opinion but it's not going to fully waver you from your path because you now know what your path is you know what i mean so thankfully i had really like built a solid understanding of my own inner voice after three years of living away and then I could come back home and um, be strong in like why I was here but that was really hard you know again because straight away my parents I wanted to write a book about what happened in India and my parents wanted me to get a job and friends were also like when you're going to get serious with life and when you're going to buckle down and when you're going to join you know do like what we're doing man like why aren't you going to get the job like we're all doing jobs man like we don't just float around the world trying to like create acts of kindness like that's stupid like how are you going to make money out of that that's there's no future in that they couldn't see the future in it again so that's part of what inspired me to stand up as well was demonstrating to the Perth people and my family and my friends of like what we can do when we effectively shift the paradigm of the public space and how it can change lives and how it can affect and send ripples through the planet you know just by doing these very small simple actions we can actually send huge vibrations through the entire planet you know and um, for me that's that trumps any kind of job that helps pay the bills for me at this point in time anyway like the earth needs us to be sending like inspiring vibrations to each other inspiring one another to believe that we have what it takes to actually rewrite the collective story and that's part of what i'm doing through all these actions is sending out ripples through all of humanity saying we have what it takes to step in a different direction we've got the skills like i'm no different to you I'm a human, I'm just a dude, I'm just a guy who's actually decided to stand up and step in a different direction. And it's okay, it's all right. Um, but the world needs more of those messages, like right now, desperately needs more of those messages. So I don't want to get distracted with working. <laughs> and it sounds a little bit like, you know, airy fairy up in the sky to be doing that, but 
I have managed to very kindly live with my parents for like a good year and a half. Um, and that's really weird for someone at the age of 26 to be doing that. Um, but I weighed up the pros and cons of like moving back with my parents and then getting a job. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew why I'd been put on this planet. I hadn't figured out how to make money properly from it without destroying it. But I knew that I'd found my passion. And that is one of the biggest things that you can ever do in your life, I think, is actually discovering why you're here. Um, so I found that. So I was like, I know this is what I'm here to do. I just got to keep working at it until it formulates into this financial vehicle that can actually you know, support me whilst being able to do it. I don't have the answer right now. I just need time. All I needed was time. So I asked if I could stay with my parents and they let me stay there. And I uh, just have been exploring like crazy, trying to create pathways for money to flow while still doing what I love to do. And now finally I've found a way through, which is funnily enough, public speaking, you know, and just sharing the story of what I do. And no one would have ever expected that that's what would have turned out by following your dreams and following your passion, but it flips on itself. Like if you keep going and you keep like going deeper into it and being vulnerable and d taking risks for it, you gotta take risks for it. Yeah. Like you can't just dip your toe into your passion and be like, oh, I'm passionate. If you're really passionate, you've got to show the world that you're passionate and like go to the edge, you know? Have there been moments of complete uncertainty of like, you know, you were resonating with this thing, but moments of doubt and like what am I doing like this has never been done before I mean absolutely absolutely um again not many people have done what I do or do what I do and I look around I've done research and some people do it do forms of it but not in the way that I do it and it's like oh there's there's no path <laughs> really to follow with all this um I can't talk to too many other people about it except for the liberated crew who are now really involved with knowing what it's all about Big Ups Liberator crew. And, uh, yeah, I've definitely had my doubts. But, again, the inner voice thing is, like, hugely powerful. And then also seeing the effect that it has on the public and, and the effect that it has on the world. And we've now had our videos, like, go past 100 million views, you know, total. So people are obviously resonating with this content, resonating with these... You know, it's almost, I almost feel like the, the, the authenticity and the, the love and the connection is a bit squashed with the label of social action. You know what I mean? Like, what is that? I mean, we've heard you share a few stories, but it'd be nice if there was a, a few words to, to, to explain, you know. Yeah, I guess. And that's the thing with exploring this path that hasn't been really that explored before there are not words for it it is just what it is um, I guess if you're listening out there it'd be worth checking out some of the videos on the YouTube channel if you wanted to get an idea because that's the best way to explain it is just like check out some of the videos and take a look for yourself and or the best way is actually to experience it <laughs> second best way is to go watch the videos yeah okay I think we're coming to the end okay. unless there's anything on your mind right now you'd like to dive into or share yeah I don't know, small thing about finding the belief to do what you do like if you find a way to start living parts of your passion and you notice that other people also want to see you get that passion going 
like as a sign you're onto something you know but you gotta dare to talk to people about it you gotta dare to put your hand up and you gotta dare to stand up and say hey this is what i'm passionate about what do you think yeah so finding a passion go find other people who support your passion or who are at least living their own passion try not to take too much advice from people who aren't already living their passions like that's a good one Um, because people who aren't living their passions see you living your passion or trying to explore your passion can instantly put their own life into question and like make them feel like oh maybe i should be like well what the fuck's my passion like who is my voice like what and then they're like no that's a bad idea don't do it terrible don't make don't do that um so definitely take people's advice with a grain of salt especially if they're not actually creating something for themselves go talk to the other passionate people um be with them spend time with them uh, get ideas share ideas talk about your passion with that person of passion go create uh, share your gifts with the world and try not to get too caught up on how quickly things start happening or not happening as well because um you'll let you you you, you get let down and pretty quickly like thankfully i loved what i was doing and that was the reward was doing what i loved and it was nothing more and it was you know seeing the smiles on people's faces and seeing how people reacted to it but it wasn't like it needed to pay the bills straight off the bat and if you're trying to get it to pay the bills straight off the bat you're gonna shoot yourself like shoot yourself down straight up um i guess it comes back to expectations and we can so easily squash you know, even our passions with the expectations we hold. Oh, it has to produce this outcome mm. in this amount of time. And if it's not, it's like, oh, I guess it's not working. Mm. But we were talking before about stepping away from expectations and just allowing ourselves the space to, yeah, if it's something we like to do, give it the space, give yourself the space to explore it and to, to investigate. That's right. And uh, one more little uh, tip or pointer that I find helps is... Like, it's about this idea of becoming indispensable. And this is what Seth Godin talks about as well. He actually wrote a book called Indispensable. Um, and that's moving away from the cogs in the machine that are interchangeable parts and, like, making the choice to become an indispens- indispensable person. Like, where what you provide, what you give this world is so you and so unique to who you are that you can't be replaced. Like, you are the thing. Mm. Um, and I just on that, I just want to interject. I feel that happens so naturally, though. And all you have to do is tune into that inner voice mm-hmm. to pick up that phone again mm-hmm. and to listen because mm-hmm. the rest takes care of itself. I think if you're showing up and you do have that courage, obviously it's, it is courageous. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this flow supports and nourishes itself the more you're taking action on your path. Mm-hmm. So I, I, all I'm saying is, you don't have to try and be indispensable. Mm-hmm. You already are. Mm-hmm. We just have to come and realize that and listen to our inner voices. So That's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Keep at it. We need more people like you in this world. Like that is it. And again, once you start following the passion, then you go pop your head up and take a look around and you're like, who the hell is actually listening to the inner voice right now? Who is? And like, it can be kind of scary looking around sometimes because it just feels like everyone is squashing down their true voice and they're like making these allowances so that they can follow the expectation of someone else's life (laughs) but by doing it by 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 honoring that that passion i mean people like yourself you almost 
sh give people the, um, the the space or the the permission. Mm. Not even permission. Permission is the wrong word completely. But they they look at you like, hey, this guy's this guy's doing something. So like, what is he doing? Oh, he's he's loving what he's doing. I guess he's passionate. Oh, he's following his passion. Um, maybe just maybe I can do that too. Mm. And I think. You don't just touch one other individual, but every other individual who comes into contact with what you're doing or, you know, a video on YouTube or whatever. Mm -hmm. You're like, hey, wow, that's, that's a thing that someone can do, mm -hmm. you know? And it's not written in any uni curriculum. There's no, like, di uh, diploma of social experiments or human connection. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe one day. For sure. Yeah. Well, hey, let's... um. We've been talking for a while now. Mm. I always like to close interviews, or sometimes, not always, mm -hmm. with some more general questions that sort of bring us out, because we've gone quite deep today, yeah. and it's been really good sort of going on this little journey with you. Mm. Um, what's, what's, what's one of the, the most significant learnings so far in life for you? I guess it has been learned and it's a tough one to transmit actually, but it's the, it's the feeling like you are loved, perfect, whole and complete as you are. Like for me, that's been massive game changer towards just loving and being myself and having the confidence to follow my own path because I knew that I was already worthy of love and beautiful and whole and complete exactly as I was. Um, for me, that's been the biggest learning. Like, it's learning, I guess. It's a form of learning. It's like a knowingness of sort. And I don't like the word knowingness because you've always got, you know, you take on assumptions when you think that you know things. But um, that's a pretty fundamental thing that has totally changed my whole life is that I've grown up in a space of love and knowing that I'm, like, just, just yeah, worth it, you know, worth this life, worth standing up, worth, you know, creating things that I care about, like the self-love thing, you know, to love yourself. <laughs> it's so massive. It's so big because if you're not loving yourself and not like feeling complete in who you are, then you're constantly chasing other things for approval and chasing, you know, uh, trying to do things to get accepted and to feel whole and really the answer is already there, <laughs> you know. So that would be a massive teaching for me is like, learning to love myself for who I am. Is, is, there, is there a piece of advice you would go back and tell your 16-year-old self from the place you're at now? Some words of encouragement or, or some uh, support or anything? <laughs> it's always tough, eh? large part of where you've come is because of the mistakes that you've made and because of the things that took you too much time and because of the things that wasn't taking you in the right direction is part of you slowly learning that that's not what you wanted to do with your life and so you kind of needed to go through it to realize that and you can't just be given the answer like and feel like that's the answer you've got to make all the mistakes to realize that's the answer you know what i mean oh well, i totally know what you mean and being reminded of that, maybe we can just push that question aside. 
<laughs> because it feels like it's not really honoring the 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 step by step process that we all of us go through mm-hmm. to learning these lessons to learning the th- through these mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that would be it. Don't be afraid of making more mistakes. You're doing the right thing. Keep being curious. Remain curious. Keep following your heart and yeah, keep keep spreading love and keep staying passionate. Keep following like what what really gets you energized, what gets you charged. Like you're gonna get through this. <laughs> Something like that. Wow. Mm. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Pleasure. Absolute pleasure, Benjamin. You asked some pretty incredible questions that uh, I feel like I could just keep talking for so long when I'm in your presence. So you're definitely uh, tapping into something yourself there. <laughs> yeah, so it's good. Uh, thanks for showing an interest. Absolutely. It was, you were talking about making excuses before, mm-hmm. and in a way, the podcast and the website is a little bit of an excuse to, to talk with, with very interesting people and intriguing people mm-hmm. because it's something I genuinely get a lot of energy from and it feels wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Thank you. If you've listened to the very end of this podcast, you're freaking amazing and you're great. Keep it up. Yeah. Uh, how should we end? It feels, it feels weird just to end with silence. Uh-oh. Maybe that's it. Um, maybe we go like a ooh. Yeah. Like together. Okay. <laughs> How does it go? Just one? This is one, and but we're going to have to somehow feel it out together. So we start low and then finish up with like a whoop. Okay. All right. have that going in the whole sp- in between like if there's a bit of a yeah. <laughs> okay, come back come back what did I miss cool